0: Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome back to Thread, episode 128. Thread, God's truth tying together all the pieces of your life. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Thread. Welcome back to Thread. Thread is a leader's Bible study. We go verse by verse. We started out in the early episodes of Thread going through the Gospel of Mark. And we move now into the book of Acts. And when we finish this book, we'll move to 2 Corinthians, because these are key books in the scripture that help us as leaders to mature in our in our behavior as leaders and especially to get the mindset that we need so that we can be a spiritual uh, mentor to others and we can take the lead and pull the movement forward as this bold plan to save the world keeps moving nation by nation. And that's one of the really cool things that I love about uh, being a podcaster. And that is that we've got people listening to this show from all over the world. It's really amazing every month to look at all the nations. And I realize that some of you are in uh, closed access nations. And so, uh, you know, I pray for you that God will use what you gain from this study and he will strengthen you. For your ministry there because it's very sensitive ministry. And actually, today's um, today's podcast is another, it's another persecution story. It's a situation where Paul has, has gotten himself into a mob and they've become inflamed. And now the local authorities have gotten involved. And we got into this story last time. But I want to move back into it now as we move from Acts chapter 2, I'm sorry, 22, verse 22. And then we're going to spill over all the way down to 23, verse 10. And we're going to talk about uh, how you handle these moments, at least one of the strategies that you could use. And in this case, Paul uses the strategy of standing up for his rights. So let me read these verses to you. And they listened to him. This is Paul speaking to a crowd. And they listened to him until this word, and the word was Gentile. Uh, And then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth. For he is not fit to live. And then as they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging so he might know why they shouted so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? And when the centurion heard that, he went and told the commander, saying, Take care what you do. This man is a Roman. Then the commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, Yes. The commander answered with a large sum, I obtained this citizenship. And Paul said, But I was born a citizen. Then immediately those who were about to examine him withdrew from him. And the commander was also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman because he had bound him. All right, Let's jump on that. Um, This is one of several times in Scripture, actually in chapter 16, chapter 22, and chapter 25, when Paul pulls out his passport and he appeals to his Roman citizenship because it was rare, it was valuable, it was status. And this status guaranteed his rights, especially to fair treatment and to a fair trial. It didn't work if you weren't dealing with Romans you know, he didn't pull it out when he was dealing with Jews, but right now he's dealing with Romans, and he pulls out that card. Now, let's get a little backstory uh, in case you missed the last episode of Thread. Paul is on the stairs of a Roman garrison, and this mob attack in the last uh, last podcast, this mob attack ends with an opportunity for an extended testimony. And Paul gets to tell about meeting Jesus and his radical transformation, and everything's going great. He's getting to tell, I mean, the leaders in Israel are all listening to him share his story. And then he said that word, that hated word, Gentiles. And when he told them that God loved the Gentiles and God had sent him to be a messenger to the Gentiles, well, you saw it in verse 22, chaos everybody's going crazy. You know, this activity of reaching out to the Gentiles seems to be everybody's problem with Paul, even many in the Jerusalem church. And he has really hit on a, a Jewish sensitivity issue here. And, the, you know, when, when people have issues like that, they're not listening anymore. They're just uh, reacting. There's, you've hit an emotional hot button, their eyes go red and they just act crazy. I mean, in this case, they start screaming, he's unfit to live, and then start acting like mad dogs. I mean, look at verse 23. They're throwing dirt in the air, and they're ripping their clothes, and they're tearing their own clothes off. It's like, what's wrong with you guys? Uh, They're just so crazy mad. They're so angry at him about this. And um, the soldier is now suspecting Paul. He says, there is no way that he hasn't done something horrible. why such outrage just at words from this man so he decides to get to the bottom of the story with what we could call today enhanced interrogation he's going to use whips on paul and so in verse 25 they make a big ceremony of strapping him in you know they're doing this to terrorize him they're doing this to to, to posture themselves in their power of what they're going to do to him and Paul in that circumstance is so composed and that's one of the things I really hope that you notice throughout this passage is how he never loses his cool. All Paul does is add, he just drops a tiny <laughs> it's really cool cuz he's so understated. He drops the tiniest question on them. There's no outrage, there's no screaming, you know, he's not wrestling with his bonds threatening everybody. He's just got poise. He is so reasonable. And he just asks a question, hey, excuse me, can you tell me if it is legal for you to scourge a Roman citizen who's never been condemned by a court? And when he says, <laughs> man, the centurion stands down, the commander comes rushing in, you know, he has an exchange with his commander, and Paul intends to control this situation if he can. He, he recognizes the circumstances he's in, this man can beat him for hours and ask questions and beat him and ask questions. And he's not going to understand the situation because this isn't political. And he hasn't done anything. And if Paul says, I haven't done anything, he's going to beat him even harder. So he just decides, I'm going to control this. If I can control this situation, I'm going to. I have to get the upper hand. I got to get in in control of this. And so staying reasonable throughout this ordeal is the key to Paul coming out in a good position. He begins by psyching this guy out with his confidence. He never threatens. He just stands there. I mean, when the torturers find out, well, I I love the exchange between him and the the commander because the commander goes, you're a citizen too. Wow. Man, it bankrupt me. You know How long did I have to work to earn the money because he wasn't a citizen to buy myself a citizenship and then Paul just lays it down. well, actually, I was born a citizen, and that's when everybody in the room just like backs up. you know, oh no, this guy's like royal blood uh, he's born into Rome citizenship. It's kind of amazing that you could be a soldier in the Roman Empire and not be a citizen of Rome, so everybody's totally off beat, off balance. And um, so morning comes and no beating. And now he calls for a meeting to try to get to the bottom of this. And we start with a second scenario. And this time it's not a Roman event. It's not a Roman court. It's the Jewish legal council, all of them. He brings the Sanhedrin in and he sets them there and he puts Paul in the midst. And so Paul begins, uh, you know, now this is his second engagement, and Paul begins this in earnest. He opens his meeting. He makes strong eye contact. Chapter 23, verse 1 says, Paul looked earnestly at the council. You know, he is trying to connect with his brothers. He loves these people. He loves Israel. He loves Jews. He loves the The whole thing. I mean, he is a Jew. He's a Jew down to his—I mean, it's in his DNA. It's in his culture. It is his manner. He loves being a Jew, and he loves Jewish people. He is not an enemy of these guys. And so he makes eye contact, and he opens his mouth, and he says, Brothers, you know, that's how he addresses them. Brothers, I have lived in good conscience before God all my life until this day. And at that moment, the high priest says, slap him to assert his dominance. And this man steps by and just smacks him across the mouth. And Paul is not, he's stunned. he He's not expecting this. This is totally illegal. I mean, he knows Jewish law. He is a trained Jewish lawyer himself. And Paul, he knows this is not right. This is everything wrong. And without... A moment's hesitation, he blasts back at that guy. God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit to judge me according to the law, and you command me to be struck contrary to the law. Whitewashed wall. It means that behind your outer, glammed-up appearance, you are mildewed, sick, rotten, diseased, filled in your soul, and you are just painted over as religious. And, I mean, he lays it on this guy, and it's, it's a truth. And then people stand by and go, oh, they give him this legalistic correction. They just broke the law and slapped him in the middle of his testimony. And yet they go, hey, the Scripture says this is a high priest. And Paul goes, well, okay. You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. That is what the Scripture says. But if you notice, he doesn't take back what he said. You could translate what he says because he says, I was not aware he was the high priest. Another, I mean, the guy probably had on his high priest clothes, so I don't know if he means I would never have guessed that that was the behavior of the high priest because the guy is so against even the laws of Israel about how you treat people. So now Paul, again, is off balance. He's got these guys. He's pushed back. He didn't just take it and curl up. They violated the law. He stood up again to them. Now there's kind of a detente between them. And there's just this sort of fixing. I think in the military you call it fixing the enemy. It means someone's advancing on you and they go push, 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 push. And then there's a moment where you push back, but you don't intend to fight. You just want them to stop pushing you. And now you're face to face and everybody's being still. And that's kind of where we're at in verse 6. Paul looks at this crowd, verse 6. He looks at this crowd and he sizes up the situation. I love how present Paul is. He's so strategic and tactical. He quickly discerns that these men are nothing. They are corrupt, power hungry politicians. They are blind to truth. They are deaf to his words. Not one of them is listening. There's no one in this crowd that wants to know God. They don't want to know God's mind. It's just a mob. And so Paul makes a decision. He notices that a big group, because of the way they dress, a big group within this crowd is Pharisee. And he is a Pharisee. And so he changes his tactic. He said, brothers, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. He doesn't say I was a Pharisee. He says, I am. I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. And all this attack on me is because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. And he's right. The resurrection, not the cross, is the central doctrinal point. Because without the resurrection, the meaning of the cross changes. Jesus dies tragically. That's one more radical reformer dying. I mean, they always kill the prophets. But the resurrection, well, that certifies that what we believe about the cross is true. So Paul looks in this crowd and He says, really, the doctrinal point that everybody's beating me up on is about the resurrection of Jesus. They don't want to accept that it's real, that it could have even happened. And so he says it, I am a Pharisee, and that's all it takes, because the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, verse 8. And there arose a loud outcry, verse 9. See, Paul has found common ground with enough of his attackers now to diffuse the energy of this mob. And the Pharisees began protesting, saying, quote, we find no evil in this man. Hey, if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let's not fight against God. I mean, this is the same group that was yelling, this man is unfit to live uh, yesterday. And once again, it starts again. Such a huge pushing. But this time, they're not just grabbing Paul. They're grabbing each other. They're pushing within them. The group is now diffused and divided. And one more time, the commander comes in and just takes him away and back up into the barracks. So what we've seen happen with Paul is that in this case, he has been saved from bodily harm twice, not by compromise. He didn't lower his doctrine. He didn't change what he believed, and not by pleading with them, you know, begging for mercy, and not by threatening them. He has been saved twice by a reasoned use of his words and by standing up for his rights. In the first case, he said, I am a Roman. I have a right to a fair trial and to be treated fairly, not to be abused while I'm in custody. Secondly, he said, I am a Pharisee, and I have a right to believe in the resurrection and to teach it wherever I want. Lessons, I would say, I see four lessons here. Number one, don't be a victim. Don't just accept any kind of abuse if you can avoid it. Don't accept abuse you can avoid. Number two, stand on your legal rights when you've got legal rights, because you might not always have them. You might be in a place that's just against the gospel and you're just going to lose. But when you have a chance, because you actually do have legal rights, Uh, I have friends and companions in the ministry in countries like, say, Vietnam, Uh, which is loosening up a lot these days, but I'm talking, let's go back 15 years. And young men that were uh, put in jail, actually, we have a friend that's been put in jail so many times that the police just go to his wife while he's out preaching and say, when he gets home, he has to come to jail. So just tell him to come on by, get his clothes and come to jail. Uh, But uh, I have a friend, and when they were doing that to him, he just pointed to the Constitution because it guarantees freedom of religion. They just never had it. But it is in the Constitution, even under communism. It was there. So stand on your legal rights when you've got them. And when you're facing unlawful treatment, do your very best to stand up for yourself. Number three, don't go down to their level. You will always lose. If if you allow yourself to go to where they're at, do toxic tactics that they're doing, if you lose your fear of God and you lose your trust of God, you if you, if you lose... Your belief in the sovereignty of God, that right now he is controlling this situation and that however it ends, it's going to end and that you won't second guess what God makes happen out of it. But you just want to make sure that you behave in this moment as a man or woman of God should. Don't go down to their level. Number four, detach yourself from your emotions as much as you can. When Sherry and I were taking our uh, advanced scuba diving classes and rescue diver courses, one of the things that our Navy SEALs, uh, British Navy SEALs guy kept drilling into us is stop, think, act. You know, when you're underwater, you can't get emotional. If you're air stops and you're choking and you've blown out your last breath and that's when you have no more air to breathe in and you want to panic and go shooting to the surface you're just going to die if you do what you feel you're just going to mess up the situation and get yourself hurt so they teach us in any circumstance the first thing you do is stop just stop don't do a thing you you have more time than you think stop now think about your actions think about your options make a choice now act and if you can keep your head, I mean, it doesn't hurt to read Kipling here. If you can keep your head when all others are losing theirs, you know that's your key to success. Now I have to say, does it always work? No, Paul had a body that was covered in scars by the end of his life. But don't take any punishment you can avoid. Jesus himself told us to save ourselves from harm wherever possible. He said, when you're in a town and they rise up against you, you just walk out. He said, don't get nose to nose. Don't get into religious argument. Don't go fighting. Don't get down. Don't get ugly with people. You just walk out. You know, give yourself a break. Keep yourself alive. Keep yourself in the game as long as you can. Because as this world goes on, my friends, we're going to find more and more pressure against us as the body of Christ. Jesus told us that people will think they're doing God a favor. When they kill us. And as the future comes in on us, we're starting to see persecution, beheadings all over the world. And we do well to turn back to the scriptures and to see where we can find some models and examples as Christian leaders as we lead God's people and as we lead our family and friends in how to serve the Lord in these last Antichrist days. Well, I love you and I care about your life. And if you want to talk to me about anything, you can write me directly chuck at Quinley.com. and let me pitch this one time if you haven't visited medialightonline.com that's one word media l-i-g-h-t online.com you've really got to go there we've got a hundred training videos join the site visit the site and then join it you can just click the button that says start here and go to the very top there and if you're new that's where you start or you can just go MediaLite online slash new and it'll take you to that page but that gives you a chance to sign up You'll get things sent right to your inbox. You won't miss a thing. We've got so many good materials there. Check out the blog post. We've got instructional materials. We've got another podcast that's coming out uh, in a few weeks, maybe a month or so. And uh, just a whole lot of things. We're doing it for you. We want to strengthen you in your walk so you can serve the Lord better in your generation. That's all for now. See you next time. Expect God to use you because He's going to.